All right, welcome back. We are into our second week of virtual learning. This one is for American history. So if you are not in American history, you do not need to keep listening unless you just want to hear my beautiful voice come through your headphones or your speaker or however you're doing this. So today we're moving past kind of how the businesses made their millions and how they kind of left the world behind and everything else. And we're going to look at how the people reacted and responded to the fact that they were getting left behind and treated it treated miserably within there. Let's look at organized labor movements within the United States because it's a huge part of where we are today. It's a huge part of why we have certain things. Uh, first of all, understand this. Any job you get today, no matter how awful you may think it is, is 20 times better than it would have been if you were working back in the, or in the early or the late 1800s, early 1900s, whatever it is. If you worked in a factory back in the 1880s and the 1890s, basically their job was to keep productions as low as they possibly could. So they would take people who barely spoke English or barely did anything and they would work them like dogs and they would treat them like garbage. You would work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Uh, no overtime benefits, nothing like that. And essentially they worked in sweatshops. And today we think of sweatshops as places in China or Vietnam or India who that create your clothes. But back then, those were right here in the United States before people kind of stood up to them. Also on top of that, just kind of keeping in mind of this, understand that at your age right now, the majority of you in the late 1800s or the late eight or the early 1900s, you would have already started working because child labor was a very prominent thing. Uh, they would start working uh, probably around the age of 10 because there were some things that was easier for a child to do because a child was smaller. So he could get his hand back in the machine and make a really quick fix on it. Yeah, he might lose his hand, but that was a risk the business was willing to take. And that was Kind of the problem was that at 10 years old, you probably shouldn't be subject to possibly losing your hand. Uh, so children were all over the workforce working in these sweatshops. And then even to take things a step even farther, there were these things called the company towns. And basically a company would tell you, hey, you're going to live in this town so that you could work and we're gonna own everything in the town and we're not gonna give you real money to work. We're gonna give you, call it a Ford buck. And so they would give you all this stuff and then charge you just enough so that you had essentially no money. And when you had no money, obviously we know what happens when people have no money and desperation starts to set in and you know all of these other things. They also, because they owned the town essentially, they could you know, arrest you for quitting work. Not that that's actually illegal. You have the right to quit your job, but people were forced into their into these situations because that was the only place they could work. If you didn't know how to be a good farmhand or you didn't know how to do some of these other things, uh, that became a much bigger thing. Obviously, over time, people start to kind of get sick of the way this is treated. It's actually going to start way earlier than we ever kind of a piece together or look at, but the first initial fight for anything is starts in the 1820s and there's factory workers that are coming together and they want this idea called collective bargaining. And what collective bargaining is, and you hear about it in the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball and all these big sports where they have a, the players have a collective bargaining agreement. What that means is that the majority of players have agreed with the owners 
to this is going to be our salary cap or that and the other thing. But essentially, collective bargaining is negotiating as a group because as an individual, I may be able to get more than somebody else. But as a group, the person who can't get as much, they also now will come up and kind of meet all of that. And when workers you know, started bringing this idea of collective bargaining, people responded by striking or I'm, I'm sorry, when the owners just blew them off, they just started striking and not returning to work. And when you're striking and not returning to work, you're hurting both yourself and you're hurting somebody else. Uh, but with the hurting of somebody else, you are replaceable. And that became the problem. The next idea really starts kind of coming around in the 1830s. And it's a movement called socialism. It still hasn't fully caught in here, but... What this philosophy was is that more businesses should be public instead of private. So the people should actually own them instead of pushing to have uh, – so the people should own the business instead of one individual owning the business. That way the people will get more rights and everything like that. Uh, that system never really has worked in the United States. We've leaned that way a little bit more recently, but for the most part, that hasn't necessarily uh, stuck. That takes us to 1869 and our next first big labor union called the Knights of Labor. And the Knights of Labor is a labor union that basically is for two groups of people, African-Americans and women. Because they were already underrepresented in the workforce. So they thought if we could collect a bargain or work together as one so that we could get all of these uh, – kind of get these better things uh, helping for us was the idea. So their, their constitution of the Knights of Labors, and this is how it actually starts. It says, the recent alarming development and aggression of aggregated wealth, which unless checked, will inevitably lead to pauperizing and hopeless – degradation of the toiling masses render it imperative if we desire to enjoy the blessings of life that a check should be placed upon its power and a system adopted which should secure the labor of the fruits of toil. All right, so what that long-winded answer basically, or what that long-winded phrase basically says is it's really simple. If the rich have too much power, they can do whatever they want to us and we need to find a way to fight this. We need to find a way to kind of put this out there and make sure that people understand that the more power the rich have, the less rights the poor have or the less rights the middle class have because the rich can buy their vote and we don't, we can't. These pushes and these fights, these are the important things that lead to a lot of things, to a lot of movement. Because it's the thought process out there that we still deal with today that our millionaires run our nation and we all just fall in line behind them. Well, this, these ideas of labor unions are the ones that are against that. They don't want the fact that Bill Gates can buy anything. They don't want Bill Gates to buy us everything. They, we want to be able to put in the work for it and not have to owe anybody anything. It's a powerful message that today in a country where 90% of the wealth is owned by 10% of the people, we still struggle with how do we close that gap to make it so that the middle class has more influence and has more power. The next thing is that a organization of workers comes out called the AFL. 
AFL is a little bit different. They are going to focus specifically on issues, not on ideological reform like the Knights of Labor did. And you have to be a skilled laborer to be there. So you have to have a craft that only you know how to do and that you cannot easily be replaced. However, within 30 years or 40 years of its foundership, they have over 2 million workers in there. After these workers start to truly take over, there starts to be this idea that we are going to find a way of protest and we are going to find a way to fight back. So in May of 1866 in Chicago, uh, there was a push for an eight-hour workday instead of a 12-hour workday. 12 hours is half your day and to think that you need probably at least six hours of sleep to be you know, decent at your job, they basically started to have these strikes everywhere. And as these strikes started to escalate, they, or started to go on and become bigger and bigger and bigger, they actually did start to escalate. And they're actually going to work out very well for them. There's something called the Hay Mar Market Riot in Chicago, where on May 4th of that year, a bunch of people get together and they start kind of protesting. And the police are called. And somebody may or may not have thrown a bomb. Nope, they did. They threw a bomb. And when they threw that bomb, it became a, when they threw that bomb, what it became for them was they became a bad legacy that now all these unions are terrible and they want to kind of fight with things. This is not the only instance of a strike though. There are many others. It's the Homestead strike that took place in, uh, against steel workers in Pennsylvania, I believe. And there's the Pullman strike. All of these things, all of these things have been pushing back on kind of the society and how everything does. Well, what was the impact? So did these strikes work? Did they bring about a new plan? Did they bring about a new order? These are all great questions. Please understand Has, has understood anything along those. Without these labor unions and their push, Labor Day doesn't exist. The eight-hour work week doesn't exist. And all of these things have are bigger struggles than they need to. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. I know this one's a little bit long. This is a very important issue. It's something we still deal with today because we, we are still kind of problems with all this. And... We need to understand kind of how this looks and how we're going to keep pushing for that. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back on probably tomorrow with a new form of podcast for you guys. So thank you guys very much. Hope to hear from you soon.